Who do some of the biggest draft minds in the NFL have the Cardinals taking at four and 27 in the very, very early stages of mock draft season? Should the Cardinals trade number 27 overall? Let's discuss it all. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. On Cardinals, Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen. Free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Please go to the YouTube channel. Search Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button. Turn notifications on. Go subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Um, hit 3,000 subscribers last week. Thank you, everydayers. This is your first listen to Locked On Cardinals. Thank you if you've been with me since 2017 or even, you know, I've been listening to me in Phoenix over the last, you know, 12 plus years at this point, radio and otherwise. Thank you. This episode of Locked On Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Uh, mock draft mashup. It is very early. It is very early. And the goal of any NFL season is not to be talking about mock drafts, especially like halfway through the season, like we did with the Cardinals this season. And hopefully starting with this draft and this free agency, it'll be more of a commonplace where this is put on the back burner for content purposes because the Cardinals are actually playing meaningful football into January. With that, a lot of the biggest names, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, and others have put out their first mock draft. And I'm going to be comparing Daniel Jeremiah's and Mel Kuyper's. And then the final segment we discuss uh, if the Cardinals should trade 27 overall for some veteran talent instead of drafting another player out of the rookie class. And as I've discussed since the beginning of this past offseason, this has been a two-draft process and two-free agency process to get out of the doldrums of the Steve Keim era, pivoted towards hopeful prosperity in the Monty Osford and Jonathan Gannon era. There was a lot of undoing that had to be done with how Steve Keim constructed the foundation of this roster with crazy glue and popsicle sticks instead of just reconcreting the foundation. And that's what Monty Osford is doing. Zayvon Collins, gone. Zach Ertz, gone. I mean, not David Collins, sorry, Isaiah Simmons, gone. If you're not part of the future of this organization, you are no longer going to be a part of this organization. Byron Murphy, see ya. Zach Allen, see ya. Starting over. So what the Cardinals do during, the, during free agency and the draft in 2024, the potency will be a lot more prevalent than what happened last offseason. Because the foundation is being laid. The concrete is drying, if you want to use that metaphor still, or that analogy still. He had a pretty good draft class last season. And what those players have is potential fringe Pro Bowl trajectory. Michael Wilson, if he can stay healthy. B.J. Oshilari, Paris Johnson Jr. Needs to improve in his second year, but he played every snap. He gave up a handful of sacks. 
played against some of the best fronts in football and the Cardinals offense and defense for the majority of the season did not have the talent necessary to compete in NFL games, even though they competed in most NFL games they played in 2023. So pivoting towards mock drafts, there's so many different ways. There's so many different avenues the Cardinals could go. And I, I said tongue in cheek throughout the season, as long as they don't draft a cornerback or a running back with one of their, with either of their first round picks, it's a win. It can be validated. Offensive line, corner, pass rusher, interior defensive line. Linebacker, doesn't matter. They need it. So looking inside the minds of some of the smartest people in football pertaining to the draft, this is when the popcorn has been made. It's been buttered, layered buttered. I mean, can I just take 30 seconds here? You've got to layer the butter. I don't know you maniacs who go to a movie or at home and just pour it on top and hope it trickles all the way down. What are we doing here? This is the Mesozoic era. You got to layer that baby. Anyways, now it's time for Monty Osford to really start to dig his heels in, cliche I hate, put his nose to the grindstone, cliche I hate, and start to have these roots for this new organization grow. Free agency is going to be massively important as pertaining to adding veteran talent. And then the draft, he's going to have to nail the first round, second round, and third round. These six picks, whatever he does with it in the top 100, this is a can't-miss situation. No pressure. It's a can't-miss situation. If the Cardinals want this to be only a two-year rebuild, got to nail free agency and nail the draft because they pretty much punched it in free agency last year, aside from adding Kazir White. And the draft, we don't know... We don't know what Paris Johnson Jr., Bija Ojolari, Michael Wilson, Garrett Williams, Dante Stills will be like when playing meaningful snaps as pertaining to directly correlating to win-loss record because they were given a free pass last year. And it's fantastic. They were able to learn the NFL game. Hopefully it's slowed down a little bit for them through 16, through 17 games. And then they're going to be able to build on that in 2024 with a more robust roster, especially with veteran talent in it. But as we pivot to 2024, and let me get to Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. So both of these guys, spoiler alert, have Marvin Harrison Jr. going number four overall to the Cardinals. And, okay. Fine. Good. I've pushed back on this just because the Cardinals have so many other needs elsewhere. And they have so many other needs elsewhere with the wide receiver room looking like that. That's how dire other needs are. The, oh, well, uh, Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. How'd that work out? Joe Burrow's the fourth most sacked quarterback since that draft. He's been injured multiple times. You tell me. You tell me. But I'm going to go through, and looking at 27 is going to be the fascinating one. So say they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. number four overall. For the entirety of this podcast, that's what we'll be discussed. They draft Marvin Harrison Jr. overall, number four overall, which is most likely what's going to happen unless they get offered some sweetheart deal that they can't pass up. Every single choice and every single decision 
is only that decision until they're offered too good of a deal to pass up. Because this is for perpetual growth, not just one player in one draft. So Marvin Harrison Jr. at four. Okay. Daniel Jeremiah has the Cardinals taking Cooper DeGene from uh, Iowa, cornerback. He was high school, all-state quarterback and cornerback. So why that? And I think he returned punts too for Iowa, even though their offense was terrible. What it means to be a quarterback and cornerback, quarterbacks think differently, okay? And the fact that this young gentleman played quarterback, he can play cornerback at a higher level because of it. And that's not, well, how do you compare that? You don't always have both sides of the equation as it pertains to viewpoint. And I've watched some film on him. Dude's a study, hits hard. You know, and, and this would be someone that, even though he's not a household name yet, would be a steal for the Cardinals at 27. Now, the question is, you know, where did Kool-Aid McKinstry go? Because early on, you see Alabama, you see corner, you see Nick Saban defense, draft him. Is it going to be a Morris Claiborne? Or is he going to be a stud? Ty usually goes to the Alabama player. And that's potentially going to dissipate with Nick Saban gone. But Kool-Aid McKinstry went 32nd overall in this mock draft, from the, or 31st overall to San Francisco in this mock draft. Now, a couple other plays, because as fun as it is to see exactly who uh, a pundit chose for the Cardinals to draft you know, in this mock draft world, it's equally as fun to see the players around that pick. So there were three offensive linemen taken out of the four picks ahead of the Cardinals in this mock draft. Three out of five. So it went 22, 24, 25 was all offensive linemen. Two tackles and an interior offensive lineman. And then um, and then another corner one at 26. So if the Cardinals are drafting for need, at 27 overall, it could be anything. Corner, offensive tackle, offensive lineman, interior uh, guard is kind of what the clump was around 27 in Daniel Jeremiah's uh, Daniel Jeremiah's graph. Graham Barton from Duke, stud, interior offensive lineman. Um, this is also so like in in both of these in both of these. The only cringy part that I have for the Cardinals drafting Marvin Harrison Jr., number four overall. What is it? I'll discuss it next as we roll on here. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel. NFL season's over. We're in the conference championship portion of this season. And it's time for you to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is super easy to use, man. There's so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the, the best way to find popular parlays that other people are, are, are uh, 
are laying down. And also, if you want to pick a Super Bowl where there's only four teams left, it's really anybody's race, and you can get yours in at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alex Lancey, Locked On Cardinals, your team every day. Please go to the YouTube channel, search Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button, turn notifications on. Leave a comment. If you want me to talk about a specific player, specific topic, DM me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. Always happy to interact. Um, this is your podcast as, as much as it is. Hopefully you can speak better than I can. This is as much your podcast as it is mine. So there's one thing that kind of irks me because there's one wide receiver who is mocked right around between 27 and 32, 25 and 32. Who, if not Marvin Harrison Jr., is the bona fide dude that I would want the Cardinals to draft in is Troy Franklin out of Oregon. 6'3", 4'3", speed. Scored a whole bunch. Scored 14 touchdowns just like Marvin Harrison Jr. did. Had a couple hundred more yards receiving, 15 or 17 more receptions. I know the offense for Oregon is much more high-powered than than Ohio State. I completely understand that. But he's mocked to go 32 in Daniel Jeremiah's draft to Baltimore. And I just see it as what's better, the top offensive lineman and the third-best wide receiver or the best wide receiver and the second-best corner or their fourth or fifth best offensive line? I don't know what the answer is. Nobody, let's be honest, nobody knows what the answer is. But if you want to take best player available, take Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you pass on what could be a fantastic young receiver in Troy Franklin. Uh, He kind of reminds me, even though, like, he kind of reminds me of Jordan Addison, not in how they play by any stretch, but how they kind of went under the radar last year in the draft, how Jordan Addison did, he shouldn't have dropped it as low as he did. I don't know. He was the Blitnikoff winner two years before, then transferred to USC, had a big year. Like, I don't really understand why. And I kind of think that's going to be Troy Franklin this year, another Pac-12 guy as we say goodbye to the Pac-12. But with that, Marvin Harrison Jr., number four for both of these drafts. Daniel Jeremiah had the Cardinals taking the corner. Mel Kuyper Jr. has the Cardinals taking Tyler Guyton tackle from Oklahoma. Now, this would be a move predicated upon moving Parrish Johnson Jr. to left tackle, have Tyler Gutton play. Right tackle, gave up very few sacks last year. He's only played 15 games in the NFL, in, in college, but by all accounts, he's one of the best, if not the best, right tackle in the draft. And the other thing that, that Mel Kuyper said was he could definitely see the Cardinals taking a corner here as well. So two of the biggest minds in football targeting corner for the Cardinals, if so facto, even though Mel Kuyper had Tyler Guyton going offensive tackle for the Cardinals. And listen, if they can find the right tackle for the future and Paris Johnson Jr. can be their left tackle for the future, it doesn't matter where they draft. It's a win. I think that's pretty obvious. If you don't protect Kyler Murray, none of this is going to work. And for all you Kyler Murray, uh, uh, anti-Kyler Murray people, if you don't protect the quarterback, none of this is going to work. Which is why I was so hell-bent on them going Joe Alt um, at four overall, even though it's a couple steps higher and, you know, you'd be passing on Marvin Harrison Jr. 
Now, notice that no pass rusher, no interior defender at 27 for either of these guys. And this will obviously evolve. This is, I mean, the mock drafts are going to be seven mock drafts per person before draft day. But it's interesting to do kind of a litmus test study on where national media members think the Cardinals should go, should focus. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy. He's the guy. And you hopefully have him for 10 years, if not longer. And you have your wide receiver one forever. With that, and I discussed this yesterday, though. If you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four, you are immediately behind the curve with roster building for the remainder of it. Immediately. Because you need offensive line more, you need interior defensive line more, you need pass rush more, you need corner more than wide receiver. So if you want to take best player available, that's fine. Monty Osborne will already have to have his plan in place during the offseason to bring in a veteran or two in the pass rush position, a veteran or two in the cornerback position, a veteran or two in the offensive line position, a veteran running back, probably another off-ball linebacker. That puts a lot of pressure on free agency to be able to fill those holes. And remember, kids, players are free agents for a reason. Say 60% of it is cap casualties. Say 60% of it, 70% of it is money. The other 30% is either they're older than what the prime age is for that position. They have injury history. They have attitude history. So looking to free agency to fill all of your problems is exactly what Steve Kime has done forever because he couldn't draft. So if you're drafting Marvin Harrison Jr., you better damn well have a great offseason plan to bring in players that will make an immediate impact and will not break the bank. And yes, we'll have plenty of other picks. You got four more picks between rounds two and three. And who knows what Monty Osford's going to do? Who knows if he's going to try and trade back you know, up into the second round and package three of those picks to move up and get a guy they want in the second round. We have no idea what's going to happen. But drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. puts more pressure on Monty Osborne to nail the offseason in free agency to be able to fill the myriad holes this team has on both sides of the ball. So the Cardinals trade number 27 overall for a proven talent with that. What position should they should they target if they were to look to move 27? How much weight does a late first-round pick have as pertaining to trading for an impact maker day one? We'll discuss that next as we roll on here. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by the Game Time app. Um, I love the Game Time app. Is that it? Can I say that for a minute? Because I do. Uh, there are so many good uh, shows coming to Phoenix. I'm a huge stand-up comedy guy. Uh, Bill Burr's coming. Uh, Nate Bargetzi's coming. There's a bunch. And I go to the Game Time app. And the coolest part about it is, you. so you search for your tickets, you search for the date, and then 
you can click on the seats before you buy them, obviously, and it'll show you the vantage point of where what you will be seeing if you sit in those seats before you buy them. It takes all the guessing out of buying tickets. It's wild. You can buy tickets. I mean, if it's not just comedy shows, I mean, concerts, Suns games, Cardinals games when it comes back around Coyotes games. Get Time app has everything that you need to be able to make the ticket buying process easy. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms do apply, but just download the Game Time app and use code VEGAS100 for 100 bucks off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. I mean, we're three months away from the draft. So much will change between now and then. I mean, this roster is going to be unrecognizable. I think only, so I, I think it was right just over 40% of the players rostered at the end of 2022 were on the roster in 2023. And if you go down the roster right now for guys who are active on game day, you know, not practice squad guys or anything like that. Could you name 20 guys who are going to be back next year for sure and play the role that they did this year? I don't know. So there's going to be a lot of work to do. A lot of inexpensive veteran contracts that will have to be signed to to field a roster. And then they're going to have to nail the draft and trust on the second year players, rookies last year, to make more impactful roles, to play more impactful roles. So I'm almost at the point where I'm like, all right, it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's just say it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. and move on. I'm almost done pushing back on it because – it's kind of a fool's errand, it seems, at this point, unless something crazy happens. Unless something crazy happens. Where there's a dark horse team that trades up to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. that gives a sweetheart deal to one of the top three teams that they can't refuse. Who knows? Crazy things happen around the draft and during draft day. But by all accounts, it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I haven't waved the the the, uh, the giving up flag yet. And again, disclaimer: if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., it's going to make the team better, and it's going to be so much damn fun. Who knows? Maybe he may be the next Hall of Famer that's drafted. Getting canceled with his pops could be a lot worse. I'm not saying it's a bad pick. To draft Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm not an idiot. Pause. I'm just saying the Cardinals have more dire needs elsewhere in less sexy positions because Steve Kime went on a vegetable strike for the decade he was here and didn't eat his damn vegetables, and the Cardinals still need to eat theirs. So should the Cardinals trade 27? Should they be open to trading 27? And there's two ways to look at this. I left it open-ended like that. I kind of flirted with it yesterday uh, if you haven't listened just check out youtube and see my big dumb face or you know download it apple podcast google play whatever so you can hear it 
Could the Cardinals trade 27? With this, you know, specific question is geared toward trading for a player. What does 27 get you? Would it be a package where you trade 27, one of your thirds and a future second for a stud? I threw out the idea of trading for Stefan Diggs. I, I know, listen, I know that he's 30. I know that he's, you know, they had a massive drop against Kansas City. I know that he makes a lot of money. I know all of those things, okay? I, I get it all. And I think that it's more the scheme than anything. Stephon Diggs still has plenty of juice left in the thing. He's 30. He's not 50. He hasn't had a whole bunch of injuries in his career. He's not Julio Jones 30. He's Stephon Diggs 30. He's Larry Fitzgerald 30. Not comparing them, I'm saying health-wise, at 30, he is not like a bunch of the top-tier guys who completely fell off a cliff because they were injured for the entirety of their career pretty much. I flirted with that, and I'm not saying it's going to be him, and especially if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm assuming they're not going to trade draft capital to bring in a, bring in a veteran wide receiver. That's pretty sweet. But can you bring in a guy, a corner? Like, what corners are out there that are going to be on the market that you would get for a first-round pick that would be worthy of a first-round pick? I think this would more, more be a pass rusher that the Cardinals would be going after. I don't know Brian Burns' situation. I don't know if he's going to be unrestricted. I don't know if they're going to franchise tag him in Carolina. That may be a guy. It's going to make a lot of money. I don't know if there's somebody from Philly. Like, I don't know what the time. That, that's going to be a very, very fascinating wrinkle into this offseason. Jonathan Gannon and Nick Ralla seem to be part of the mitochondria of that team more so than Nick Sirianni was. So with that, especially defensive players, I wonder with a mass exodus that may seemingly happen with Philly because of their Cliff Kingsbury-like downfall this season, may have a lot of Philadelphia Eagles on the Arizona Cardinals next year. They know the scheme. They love the coach. Giddy up. Now, I'm not saying they're going to bring in Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and all of the veterans there. I'm not saying that. And I'm also saying that Philadelphia has a lot of top-tier talent, and if they want to trade a team, a late first-round pick, to go get a guy or two, you know, get a guy in a pick or something like that. Like Again, this is still very, very early wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I think that Jonathan Gannon tied to Philly is fascinating. I think he was beloved there by his defense and by that team more than the Philly fan, idiot fans gave him credit for because you got to blame somebody for Philly. Philly fans have to blame somebody. They're going to go from cheering and naming babies after players to booing people and throwing stuff on them. So could the Cardinals trade the 27th pick? Let me let me frame it this way, because I can tie in the last two days together on this show. What's more likely? The Cardinals trade 27 for a player, or they package 27 with another pick and move up in the draft? I think the latter. I think Monty Oswald's aggression is going to be draft-centric, not player-centric after free agency. He values draft picks. We saw that first step 
pick three, down 12, up to six, keep the first rounder next year, bingo, bango, bongo. He values it. He understands it. There will be no throwaway picks by this GM. So while the Cardinals, it's not favorable compared to where they thought they were going to be before Houston just went nuts and CJ Stroud and Will Anderson won offensive and defensive rookie of the year, respectively. They still have another first round pick. They've got three thirds and a second and they have draft capital for the future. So say Monty Osford wants to package 27, a third this year and a second next year to move up to the late teens or 19 or 20 to get an offensive lineman, to get a pass rusher, to get a corner, whatever it is. I think that's much more likely than to trade 27 for a player. I just, at this point, I feel like they're going to be separate entities. Free agency, drafting young players. Not using capital to draft young players, trading for a player on a different team. I just don't see it. But with Philly free agents, cap casualties, things like that, Jonathan Gannon made to say, come on, guys, come to your new home. The water's warm, and I've got things under control, unlike your current coach, who had a Cliff Kingsbury downfall in what was set to be a Super Bowl year for that. Alex Lancey locked on Cardinals. Without you, there is no me. I will talk to you tomorrow.